What's up, everybody? My name is Luke, and we are so thankful that you are tuning in to Here's the Deal. Today, we talk with Dr. Grant Gaines, the senior pastor at Bel Air Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. He talks to us all things evangelism and faith. We think that this is going to be a super practical and very helpful episode for you. And don't forget, check the show notes. We've linked a lot of awesome things in there. Thanks for listening. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for checking out the Here's the Deal podcast. Luke, my friend, um, how you doing in 2021? How are things going? Doing good, man. Excited to be here. Yeah, um, it's much different than I expected it to be. Um, Everything's greener. Um, So, hey. 2021, you know, a lot of people have resolutions and things. What yep. what have you in this new year been, uh, what are you planning on reading? Uh, what are you planning, I don't know if you do audiobooks or any of that stuff. Like, what do you plan on reading or taking in this mm, year? That's a good question. Um, I'd say for me, well, I mean, the books will be a plenty. Uh, I just started uh, master's work, so there's no shortage of, shortage of books that I'm being forced to read. Mm-hmm. But I'd say for fun, uh with a small group, we're starting to go back through the uh, lighting in the Trinity. Oh, so that'll be yeah. really fun. Yeah. Uh, I love going through that. Yeah. And, and you say that, but yeah, I really want to force myself to read some fiction this year. Yeah. Cause I never do that. And I would love to read Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Lord of the Rings is good too. Have you, have you read it? I mean, I watched the movie. Oh, okay. And so if the movies are as exciting as the book. So, um, for me, I, no joke. Me, uh, I actually talked to my wife and, and, I want to read Delighting in the Trinity again this year. You should and read it with our group. Maybe. We go, and, we go uh, out to dinner, talk about it. Maybe. I have a wife and children, but maybe. And so um, can I bring kids' plates? No. Nope. Um, so, uh, but also, I really, I have on audiobook, The Disney Way. Um, it was actually recommended by Taylor Morton. Um, and the Disney Way? The Disney Way. It is how they at Disney and the corporation manage their employees and kind of the rules that they live by. And it's kind of a leadership book and for like a whole organizational structure for how they do things at Disney, how your customers are like guests instead of just customers and how you're, how you in, in, encourage your employees and how you need to constantly be training and helping people get to the next level. So. Is it like Christian? And, no, oh, no. Okay. And so, but I, I've never actually read a leadership book that was not Christian. You should um, just read How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yeah, that's great. But I, this one has Disney in it. So I think it's like musical That's stuff. all fiction. Um, and so, but I, I'm going to read that this year, and I'm really excited, especially audiobook, because that's going to be helpful. That doesn't count. I know, that's right. And so, uh, but on today's episode, uh, we have an awesome guest. Um, he is, um, I think he's going to do a great job as we get to talk through uh, some really important topics here um, on the Here's the Deal podcast. He is... He currently serves as the senior pastor of Bel Air Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Um, he's a good man with a great, great shoe game, uh, and we are excited to have uh, Dr. Grant Gaines with us. Grant, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Dominic and Luke. Thanks for having me this morning. Oh man, we're so uh, we're so grateful to have you. Now, listen, you're a LeBron fan, right? Of course. Okay, a LeBron fan I, I like, or a I like Lakers? LeBron. I, well, I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah. So we don't have any NBA teams. So I just kind of grew up liking to to watch the greats play, yeah. and so I like to watch LeBron. I love that Steph Curry scored sixty two points. Mm. I know yesterday. Um, you know, I just followed. I like I like to watch them do what they do. Yeah, yeah. and so, but he's a LeBron fan, so okay. that matters to me. Um, <laughs> that's one of our greatest things we have in common. And so I'm a Lakers um, fan despite LeBron. Yeah. 
I'm a Lakers fan because of LeBron. So, um, anyways, uh, Grant, man, we're so grateful to have you. And how are things going on? Uh, how are things going in Murfreesboro? They're going well. I mean, we're in the we, we have a huge spike in our of COVID in our community, and mm-hmm. so we're navigating that as I'm sure everyone is a certain degree. Yeah. But other than that, things are going well. Um, can't complain, and, and God's been good to us last year, and the New Year's off to a great start. Awesome. We're excited to see what has in store. Well, uh, Grant, as um, as may, they may not know, our listeners, man, you are a, uh, I mean, you're a great pastor and a great preacher, and uh, man, just a, a smart dude. And I think that has a lot of good insights on a lot of things. And so, you know, one of the things is being a pastor now um, for for many many years, and the things that you're learning and growing, and and the things you've learned both um, in school and and in your uh, pursuit of degrees, but also just walking with the Lord and growing in the Lord. Uh, what would you say has been the most impactful theological truth that you've come to know like in the last 10 years? Because I think that's really important. It's not just the, the, the new things you learn, but, but really what has shaped you over the last 10 years um, walking with the Lord that you th- say that's really impacted your life? Mm-mm-mm. Well, 10 years, that would be back to 2010. Yeah. Or, yeah, the thing on how you do it, 2011 maybe. Yeah. There are a lot of theological truths that have impacted me. I'll tell you one that's probably been something because in the last 10 years has really been when I've uh, been pastoring. Yeah. And so before that it was theological truths I was learning in seminary, which are great and have been the foundation for everything I've done thus far. But as you both know, being in the ministry, being in the pastorate has a way of helping you see theological truths through a different lens. Mm -hmm. I think maybe even in a more balanced way, uh, sometimes when you're in seminary, you can um, you can you can learn theological truths and you can be excited about them and and nothing's wrong in terms of what you're believing, but maybe it's a proportion issue. Yeah, and things have gotten out maybe disproportionate for you. Far more empathetic so being, with people. Do what? Far more empathetic when it's boots on the ground. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You're not quite as critical of uh, of pastors and ministers when yeah. you're actually doing it as yeah. you were when you were in seminary, but. Um, so for me, I think trying to to wed the two, uh, theological depth with pastoral, minister, ministerial kind of uh, practical issues, and one of the things that's come out of that that I think is, is a theological issue that's really shaped me, and it's going to have to do with, uh, it plays into what our conversation is going to be about today with evangelism, um, is the role of faith in accomplishing great things for God. Hmm. <laughs> that may have not been what you were, what you were expecting. But um, I think that in the circles that I've run in, which have been you know evangelical circles, probably more re- reformed-leaning circles, um, we don't like charismatic theology <laughs> very much, um, at least the area of, of, of evangelicalism that I've kind of you know come out of. Yeah. Um, and so we, we see word of faith, theology, uh, we see name it and claim it and, and, and all of that. And we know there's something wrong with that. Yeah. When it comes down to it, we have problems with certain passages of scripture, like Mark 11, when Jesus says things like, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. 
Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. We have problems with that. And so yeah. the question for me is, you know, how do you how do you well um, you know, bring those two things, bring those things together and see that in a way that's biblical? Yeah. And I think for me, the uh, the light bulb went off for me when I realized that faith, like many other things in the Christian life, are a means is a means that God uses to accomplish his will and his work yeah. in this life. Yeah. And so it's not that <clears throat> the, the problem with word of faith theology, the problem with uh, certain uh, charismatic theology is that it, it, it tends to put man in the driver's seat. Yeah. And almost uh, to where you can kind of twist God's arm into doing whatever you want to do if you yeah. have enough faith or, yeah. uh, or whatever it might be. And I think that's wrong. Yeah. So I think you have to see faith uh, under the umbrella of God's sovereignty, under the umbrella of God's providence. I think the way you do that is the same way that you see evangelism or prayer or anything we do, humanly speaking, as under the umbrella of God's providence. And that is that it is a means that God uses to accomplish his will and work. So, for example, to use the example of prayer, I believe that prayer really, God uses it mm-hmm. in his divine providence and wisdom. He has, he has determined to use the instrument of human prayer to bring about his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. So the, it's not that everything we pray about God will do, but the more we pray, the more we will see God do. And that's how he is determined to use it. Same with evangelism. Evangelism is a, is a human instrument or means that God has determined to use to bring about his work on earth. Mm. Uh, it's not that every time we evangelize, um, people will be saved, but the more we evangelize, the more people will be saved. That's right. In the same way, this is what this is what has really been impactful for me. In the same way, I believe faith fits into that category. God has determined to use the means of human faith. I mean, not just not doctrinal faith, not the content of what we believe. Uh-huh. I'm talking about belief in the presence of God with me right now to do something powerful in and through my life, in and through my church. Um, that kind of faith, yeah. that is an instrument and means that God uses to bring about his work and will as well. And it doesn't mean that every time we have faith, he will demonstrate his power yeah. in the way we wanted to see it. But the more times we exercise that kind of faith, the more we, demonstrations of power we will see. I yeah. think that's what the author of Hebrews is, is talking about in Hebrews 11, 1, where he gives that kind of real succinct definition of faith, yeah. where he says that, you know, faith is two things. It's the assurance of things hoped for. Yeah. That's, I believe in God's promises for me. Yeah. Will come to pass one day. That's, that's, that's where we tend to lump all of our understanding of faith. But then the second is conviction of the things not seen. Uh. Now, I don't think he's talking about the same thing in two different ways there. When he says conviction of things not seen, I, the assurance of things hoped for is I believe in God's promises for me one day, you know, new creation and the coming of Christ and all that. I believe in God's promises for me. But the but the conviction of things not seen is I believe in God's presence and power with me right now. Yeah. In the same way that Elisha, his servant, you know, when the Syrian armies were gathering, were coming against Israel and they were surround, they surrounded Elisha, the prophet and his servant. And Elisha said, um, you know, they, they walked out and the servant is trembling and, and anxious and worried and fearful. And Elisha says, God, open his eyes. Yeah. 
and he opens his eyes and he sees yeah, yeah. the angel armies of God all around him. And Elisha says, those who are with us are greater than those who are with them. And it's, mm. it's the conviction. Elisha had the conviction of something he couldn't see. So I, I think that's important as we do ministry. Yeah. Um, I think the more we exercise that kind of faith in the presence of God with me now and the power of God that can uh, work through me now, the more we will see that kind of thing happen. So I don't think that's, um, I don't think that's bad theology. I think that's good theology. I think it's a, it's a gap in a lot of our theology sometimes. It certainly has been for me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, I look at, we look at, you talk about word of faith and all these people and it's very easy to, you know, sit back and throw stones. But I don't know how many times when I'm alone, I think, gosh, I'd give anything for their faith of what they believe that God can do. Yeah. I mean, if I believe so heavily that I could just blow the breath of God on coronavirus... Throwing stones right here. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, if I knew I could blow the breath of God on coronavirus and it just go away, I, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of faith right there. I wish there. I had that confidence. I mean, God. I do too. And so I think... I, I, but Grant, I would agree that I think that we do... We do tend to go from one like hey listen i I don't believe in the the word of faith movement like they're doing so much so that i'm not going to do anything in faith like it almost you you we almost land on that completely opposite side of the spectrum there's no middle ground yeah and so but i think there and i think that's what you're talking about is finding that middle ground that honors the lord um that we can we walk it's it's adding a third element to the definition i think we think of faith in two ways primarily Mm-hmm. normally in our circles. One is we think of it in terms of doctrinal belief. Mm-hmm. So that's important. And that is the one way that faith is used in the Bible. A second would be in uh, in God's promises. Mm. You know, we believe that that Christ will come again. We believe that um, that all of, of this wrong we made right. We believe in the new creation. You know, we believe in all of that. But the third element that's missing, I think, in our definition is that idea of, of belief in God's presence and power. Mm. Yeah. For now, for now, yeah, you know, not just for later, yeah, mm. yeah, that's active faith, and so, um, and so, <clears throat> you know, one of the things I think is is so important, and especially when you've you've mentioned evangelism, and and sharing the gospel with people, um, that's on a practical level, that is so difficult. Just like the act of evangel, like knowing that the Lord, knowing that the Lord is 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 sovereign and provident, like all that, but actually doing it and knowing, like knowing the Lord's so good, but actually doing it is such a difficult thing for people. And it doesn't matter if you're 80 years old and been a believer for 50 years or, or if you've been, um, or, or if you're a, a new believer and you've got that like fresh fire in you, it's a difficult, difficult process. Um, and so, you know, Mary, bearing faith and evangelism, um, how, how does that kind of work itself out in the life of a believer? Well, I think those two things have to go together. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things that's, that's hindered me from doing evangelism faithfully throughout my life has been, honestly, a lack of faith. Mm. I think those two things are connected. Um, you know, what's interesting um, to me is... Uh, it says of some of the early evangelists in the book of Acts that they were people who were full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. I just find that a really interesting combination. We always talk about the filling of the Holy Spirit, but they were full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Talked about Stephen and some of those early deacons and, and, uh, and evangelists in the book of Acts. And I think that 
what has helped me evangelize, I, I think there was a time in my ministry when I honestly did not, if I'm being honest, did not expect to see much fruit from evangelism. Huh. Yeah. And I think maybe I was just really, imp- I think I, I grew up uh, and at some point I kind of, I think overreacted to some, um, some, you know, misuses of evangelism that I had seen yeah. in my life and abuses of evangelism that I'd seen. And so for, you know, easy believism, uh-huh. um, where, you know, uh, you can just kind of manipulate things and, 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 and then masses of people are like making decisions for Christ. And I, I knew something was wrong with that. Yeah. So, uh, as, as often is the case, we swing the pendulum the other way too far <laughs> and we think, no, I bet only a fraction of these people are actually saved. And you can't really expect that many people to get saved. And, and, uh, it's only going to be a, a small remnant. And, and so, uh, I think that it really affected me. And so I didn't really, I wasn't doing, um, you know, what William Carey said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. And I think that's a faith issue. Yeah. So when I, something shifted in me uh, pro- several years ago <clears throat> where I, I still believe that you're going to have a lot of folks that respond to gospel, to the gospel and wind up flaking out and, and not being genuine converts. I mean, Jesus, I think that's the point of the parable of the sowers and the different soils. Uh, you're going to have only one fourth of the soil he mentions is a good soil. Yeah. You know, so there is going to be a lot of that, but there also is, should be a great harvest. You know, the harvest is plentiful. Yeah. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white unto harvest. And so I think we have to hold both, again, those things together, where we expect a great harvest, a really great harvest. Uh-huh. Um, but we also know that some of it's going to be, uh, it's not going to be genuine. Some of it's not going to be genuine. But I think that there was a time when I didn't have faith that there, that there could be a great harvest yeah. in my church, in my yeah. community, through me as an evangelist. And that began to change for me. And one of the things that changed it, was uh, beginning to pray evangelistically hmm. through evangelistic passages of Scripture. Um, so I've got a list of, of passages that I pray through regularly about that. Um, you know, knowing praying things like in John 10, when Jesus says, I have other sheep who are not of this fold yet, hmm. and they must come also. Yeah. And they will hear my voice. That's good. And they will follow me. And so just go, being able to, to think about my community and going, man, there's a lot of sheep out there that are Jesus's that they just don't know it yet. Uh-huh. And they must come into his fold. Yeah. And when they hear his voice, they will follow him. Yeah. And how are they going to hear his voice? They're going to hear it through my voice. Yeah, why not me? Yeah. Why, why can't I be the voice of Christ? Why can't I go proclaim? And, and, and it takes so much pressure off. And this is, I think, where it increases your faith. Mm-hmm. It takes so much pressure off of you when you think, okay, there, there are people out there who are ripe fruit. There are people out there who are good soil. There are people out there who are Jesus's sheep. And as soon as they hear the gospel, they're going to, they're going to come into the fold. Huh. And I just have to go find who they are. I don't know who they are. Charles Spurgeon said, you know, if, if all of them had yellow stripes down their back, I'd go up lifting people's shirt tails and <laughs> seeing who they were, but I don't. And uh, so I'm just going to share the gospel with everybody. And yeah. I believe that many like, like God said uh, to Paul and about the city of Corinth in Acts 18, there are many people in this city who are his. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to go find who they are uh. by indiscriminately sharing the gospel with everybody that I meet. Um, and some of them are his. And that 
So believing that, believing that's a doctrinal issue. You believe that that's true. Yeah. And then that bleeds over into the active faith that you're exercising. And if you don't have, if I, when I didn't have that as the foundation of my evangelism, I didn't do much evangelism. Yeah. But uh, that helped increase my faith and, and made me bolder to share. Yeah. And I think it's also an issue. It made me share more. Mm-hmm. The more you, the more you sow, the more you reap yeah. in general. And I think that's true in evangelism as well. Yeah. So Grant, uh, for your evangelism, what would you say if there's one or two things in your mind that you can think of or that pop, come to your mind right before you're about to evangelize with someone, what would you say would be the hardest things, the hardest hills for you to get over each time? The hardest thing about evangelism for me, I think, is not any, um, you know, any of the mechanics of doing evangelism. It's it's just keeping it a priority. Yeah, <laughs> that that to me is the hardest thing about for evangelism. Sure. It's keeping it. And I really do think it is the tip of the spear of everything we're trying to do in ministry. Yeah. It, it, it is the making, because it's the Great Commission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them. That's that's everything. That's the evangelism. That's the discipleship. That's that's all of it. Uh, but going and, and, find, and making those new disciples and then, and then discipling them. Uh, is the tip of the spear. And so, but, but keeping that as the focus, as the focus is mm. really, really hard. Yeah. And I think it's, it's hard for pastors because so much of our work has to deal with the, uh, has to do with the second half of the great commission, teach them to obey yeah. all that I've commanded you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really important part of the great commission. Yeah. So when we're preaching and teaching and all the time it takes to prepare sermons and things like that, it can, um, sometimes that can become everything we do. Yeah. Um, and we're missing out on the whole first half of the Great Commission. Yeah. And sometimes we may justify that by saying, well, I'm a pastor and I'm not an evangelist. Um, and that might be true. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you're not still called to do evangelism. And as a pastor, you're not just a, a shepherd of people's spiritual lives. You're also a, their leader. Yeah. yeah. And you cannot lead them to go and to do things that you're not going and doing. That's and, right. um, and so model. keeping it as a priority is the <clears throat> hardest thing for me. Yeah. Um, and, and real quick. So, um, this is just a, a quick follow up to that uh, as a pastor. And I know this is the, the case for us is that, um, we have opportunities to share the gospel. Um, we do have opportunities to share the gospel, um, on stages and on platforms. We have that opportunity, but honestly around our office, not a lot of lost people. I don't know of right? any, actually. Uh, so not a lot of lost people. So how do you position yourself as a pastor in the community and where you are? How do you intentionally get out of your office and get out of the places that you're at to go and intentionally seek out those who you can share the gospel with? Because it's just not going to ha- you're not You're not working at the electric company. Um, you're not, work- you're right. not working at these places. So how do you position yourself? Because there has to be intentionality there. Yeah, I mean, I think your workplace is is one, one, and yeah. only one. Yeah, um, one potential field that for most Christians, not necessarily for us as pastors, but for most Christians, can be a great field to do Great Commission Harvest work in. Yeah. So yeah, for a pastor, you can kind of almost take that off the table. We don't have that field, mm-hmm. but there are a whole lot of other fields that you can do Great Commission Harvest work in. Yeah, and. Um, though we don't have coworkers that are, are lost, probably, 
um, we still uh, within our circles of ministry have a lot. We, we people on the fringes of our ministries that that to me is my work field for evangelism. And yeah. so when it comes to my work field, so uh, people that are unbelievers that are attending worship services that mm-hmm. we're getting contact information from. Yeah. Um, unbelievers that are sending their children to vacation Bible school that we're getting contact information from. Yeah. Uh, people that we're interacting with online that are that are some way you know intersecting with our online worship or presence like that. Uh, you you know how that is. There are always people that you're coming into contact with through your church work yeah. who are lost, and I think that we should view that as a really important harvest field. So I would try to do that. Yeah. Uh, but man, there you, you said there's nobody around your office. I think what you mean is there's nobody in your office. Yeah, yeah. Because around your office, there are a whole bunch of people who are lost. And that would be a second field, harvest field for me is, uh, you know, you take a one-mile radius around your church building. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people that are lost. Yeah. That your church is in close proximity to. Yeah. And so one of the things that I've done at my last church and at the church I'm at now is drawn a one-mile radius around our church building. And, um, and then just saying, Hey, we're going to try to get the gospel to every household within that one mile radius. Mm. And that kind of, you know, one of the ways we do that is, you know, just knocking on people's doors, which yeah. I know people say doesn't work anymore. And I'm convinced the people that say that don't do it Yeah, yeah. Um, because that's not been my experience for the past several years. Yeah. So <clears throat> especially when you do, so if you talk about going and, and, and meeting your, your, your church neighbors, that's how I consider it. These, mm-hmm. these are people who are neighbors in terms of where our church is located. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't feel uncomfortable going up to my neighbors in the neighborhood yeah. and knocking on the door and saying, hey, I'm the, I just moved into the neighborhood. I just wanted to meet you and let you know, hey, if you ever need anything, I'm here. You know, How can I be praying for you? I wouldn't feel uncomfortable doing that with my actual neighbors where I live in my home. Why would I feel uncomfortable doing that with my with my church neighbors? Yeah, and so uh, what we'll do a lot of times is, uh, and, and I'm, this is getting at your question, Dominic, about me as a pastor. Wh- how do I try to intersect and, and, and be intentional about finding lost people to share the gospel with from a pastor? Well, one of the ways is 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 by focusing on that one mile radius, and so we'll take groups and uh, we'll take little gift bags. We'll go to people uh, across the street, down the street from the church. And just say, hey, we're from Bel Air down the street. The good thing about close proximity is they all know who we are. Yep. They drive past us every day on the way to school or work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, hey, we're, we know it's been a tough year, and we just want to be praying for our, our neighbors and the community around our church. And is there anything that we can be praying for you about? Uh, nine times out of ten, they'll be very receptive to that. We'll tell us something we can pray for them about. We'll pray for them on the spot. Mm-hmm. And then after I, we pray for them, Say, hey, do you mind if I share with you what God's done in my life? I share a brief 15-second testimony. And then uh, do you mind if I share with you what made the difference? And then share the gospel and give them a gift back. And so we do that a lot. It's not necessarily the most fruitful form of evangelism that we do, but it is fruitful. We see people come to Christ that way. And uh, and it also comes in maybe to something we we might talk about in a minute. It it also is an effective way to train up other evangelists which is another of the responsibilities, I think, of the pastor when it comes to evangelism. Mm. we got to be doing it ourselves so that we have skin in the game. Yeah. But we've also got to be, as pastors and leaders, multiplying who we are into other people 
and discipling them, not only to be able to read their Bible and pray and walk with the Lord, but be able to carry out the Great Commission. Yeah. yeah. And doing things like that is a great way to give people experience and, and repetitions. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the questions is, um, so <clears throat> one of my favorite things to do is to go to sports clips. And I get the MVP because I know that I'm going to be there for like 35 minutes with the person. And I always try to get the different person in there. But you, you begin to learn all their stories, too. And um, while, they're, while you got that hot, the hot towel on your face and they're doing your hair, you get to <laughs> tell them about Jesus. It's one of my favorite things. Um, but oftentimes you don't get to have 30 minutes with people. And they only give you a moment of your time. And so, real quick, when it comes to you sharing the gospel, what is one thing you make sure? Because situations change, time spans change. You may not be able to get through the whole entire thing. Um, you know, you may not be able to get through the whole entire uh, Romans Road or what, whatever it may be, or whatever thing you're using, or the three circles. What is one thing, even if you have a moment with somebody, that you want to make sure you communicate? Like language and that and all that. Like how, what is one thing you want to make sure you communicate? Well, obviously, if you're talking about sharing the gospel, that implies that you're communicating the whole gospel. Mm-hmm. And so you, you've got to communicate that they've sinned, mm-hmm. that Christ has come, that he's righteous, that he died on the cross as a substitute for their sin, that he rose from the dead, that they need to repent and believe. I mean, that's the basic yeah. you know, message that we try to convey, that I try to convey every every time. So yeah. I'm just going to take for granted yeah. that that's always going to be said. Yes, yeah. yeah. Well, without um, that, then you're not sharing. Now, <laughs> so, yeah. Do what now? I said, without it, that, yeah, then you're not you sharing the gospel. That, you're not yeah. sharing the gospel. Yeah. So, um, what I would say, I'll, let me approach that question in, with with two kind of in two ways. One, I think this is why you've got to have some good tools in your evangelism tool belt. Yeah. In the utility and you, belt. And, and the main one, the the bread and butter, I would say, are some tools that you can quickly share the gospel. You know, Paul could in First Corinthians 15. He gives a really succinct explanation. He said, this is the gospel. And then in like in two verses, he shares the gospel. Yeah. And so I don't think it's wrong to have a really short and succinct way to do that. For me, uh, the two tools are what I've mentioned, the 15-second testimony and three circles. Yeah. They're not as short as what Paul does in 1 Corinthians 15, but they're pretty short. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, within two minutes, you can do both of those things. And so let me just kind of— the 15 second testimony is something that uh, there's a whole group and movement out there called no place left. I'll just throw that out there to whoever's listening to this, go Google that Jeff Sundell. But the 15 second testimony is, uh, I'll just give you mine. All right. There was a time in my life when I was doing a lot of things I'm not proud of and was very confused about where I would go when I died. But then I followed Christ and now I know that I'm forgiven of all those things. And I know exactly what would happen to me if I were to die. Has anything like that ever happened to you? You know, that was probably, I wasn't timing it just then. That was probably 15 seconds or less. And then uh, it gets into the spirit, into their spiritual life. And uh, is, and then is there any way that, would you be willing to let me just share with you what made the difference? And then I'll draw out three circles for them. Now, so if you take for granted that you're getting into the conversation, that you're sharing the gospel, here's the one thing that was a game changer for me. that now I make sure that whenever I share the gospel that I make sure to include. And that is a question at the end to transition into calling them to respond. Mm. Here's the question I use. So after I share the gospel, I'll say, um, make sure they understand it and everything. Uh, I'll say, is there any reason 
you wouldn't repent of your sin and believe in Jesus right now? Well, is there any reason you would not repent of your sin and believe in Jesus right now? Yeah. That was a game changer for me. Because yeah. a lot of times I, I knew how to take off, but I didn't know how to land the plane, yeah. so to speak, in a biblical way that yeah. I felt like wasn't being manipulative. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think that's a good way to do it. And because I believe that you should, you should put people on the spot. You, you should want them to, to have to make a choice. Right there. Yeah. Um, right then and there, you know, and if they're not ready, you shouldn't force them to. Yeah. Mm. And you should have a plan for what you're going to do with a yellow light. You know, if there, there's a green lights, yellow lights and red lights, Yeah. right? The red light is somebody that says, I'm not interested. The green light is somebody that says, yes, what must I do to be saved? And the yellow light's like, I don't know. I'll hear, I'll hear you more about this. Like they told Paul when he was once on his missionary journeys. Yeah. So you gotta have a plan for that, but calling them to respond is really important. So that's something that I always try to include now, anytime I'm able to share the gospel. And I think that's good because you know what you just showed there um, is that in just a few minutes, in about three, four minutes, you've been able to share the gospel wholly, fully, and um, even with your story worked in there. And so um, I think that's I think that's really hard because I think a lot of people have this misconception that it's got to be an entire an entire whole, uh, you know, 20 minute long deal. It's got to be as, at least got to be as long as my pastor's sermon. <laughs> so it's at least got to be 45 minutes to an hour. I think that I think the ending part is really helpful because it just seems like what do you I do just have that? memories of so that's it. So what what do you what do you what do you think about that? <laughs> so I got yeah, no, what, what do you think about that? Do you, do you want to be one of those? Yeah. And so I I think that's a great ending question because I think I think even a lot of our teaching or even just the the person who's trying to share the gospel, that's one of the pivotal points of giving that option, that call to respond. Um, that is so missing in the evangelistic approach right now um, that I think that's huge um, to, to have that. And that's probably one of the hardest things because that's the moment. Listen, if you just leave it at here's the gospel, you don't really honestly have to face much, much rejection right there. Um, and that's yeah. not, re- but to call them, would you believe in this and, and, and surrender your life to Christ right now? Um, I, you know, that's a, that's a huge piece. And I think that's, that's yeah. really helpful. That's really helpful. Yeah, so Grant, you've touched on a few things, but if, is there any, maybe uh, one main piece of advice that you would give to any of our listeners who want to share the gospel with a coworker, family member, lost friend, whoever that may be, just one piece of advice? Yeah, besides learning those tools and having those ready, the one piece of advice I would give you that's been helpful for me is just be very upfront mm. about the evangel- your evangelism. I'm not, I'm not talking about being... Um, you know, rude. I'm not talking about being, uh, you know, hitting people over the head with your Bible or whatever cliche you want to, you want to use. I'm talking about not just trying to be sneaky with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, for a lot, for a, for a while <clears throat> I struggled to share the gospel because if I was at sports clips or, um, you know, in, in some kind of situation, I would go, okay, how do I find a way to get this conversation? How over do I bridge Jesus? it? How and do then, I use the bridge? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then what's the bridge? What's the bridge? I'll tell you the bridge. You want to know the bridge? Do you mind if I share the gospel with you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the bridge. And so you, so the person's cutting your hair. Hey, listen, I'm a pastor. Um, my, Jesus has changed my life. Would you mind if I share with you what made the difference? As I just ask them for permission. And then it's very upfront. And if they give you permission, they say, sure, you can. 
then then guess what? You've got free reign to go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just find that to be very refreshing and, and much more simple for me. Some people may be really good at finding those, you know, thousands of different ways to bridge to the gospel and, yeah. and sneak it in that I way. But I, I just go straight for it. Hey, man, I really like that watch. What happens when your time's up? You know, <laughs> like those kinds of things. I, those those get me every time. And there are some people who are wizards. Yeah. But I, I was I remember I was hearing, uh, hearing Chandler say something about that one time about being a pastor. Just immediately, that's his intro. Hey, I'm a pastor. We got to do this now. You know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and just going right I into I heard it. That, I, I think I heard that sermon, too. Talking about his neighbor. <laughs> And he was like, uh, so, you know, I'm a pastor, and uh, do you want to have this conversation now or later? You know, cause <laughs> Anytime's good for me. Just you let me know. That's perfect. I love that. I love, I love that it's not sneaky. It's just, it's just hey, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm here. You're cutting my hair. I love you, and I need to tell you about Jesus. We good with that? Yeah. I'll take if you got a coworker, and, and yeah. part of the issue, too, is like it's hard. It's easier for me to share with somebody I don't know, honestly. Oh, for yeah. sure. Than yeah. with my next-door neighbor. Yeah that I'm going to see every day or every week. Mm. But I really do think just asking permission. Yeah. You Technically, you don't have to have somebody's permission. Right. To proclaim the God <laughs> because we've been commanded to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but a lot of times they'll let you anyway. I mean, so and it, I think it's, it's helpful. It, I think it, it's helpful. They're, you're allowing them. You're not just that person who's standing on the street screaming at them. There's a, hey, I respect you. Would you allow me to speak into your life here? And that's a big that's a big get for them to say, yeah. I mean, especially in this current cultural climate, there's a book called uh, Evangelism as Exiles, and it oh, just yeah. walks through First and Second Peter and talks about how we are in very similar uh, situations with uh, the churches at that time. And the mm-hmm. way, generally, the road for us to evangelism will be honoring people and hospitality. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's such a helpful intro to sharing the gospel you can't just be a rude jerk no there's like a loving being way to hospitable. do it yeah it's hard it's hard to share the the love of a, a kind heavenly father when you're a jerk yeah and so yeah man and that's one of the that's one of the reasons i like starting with with praying for people too you yeah. know and, and so when we do knock on somebody's door we open with and it's not just a gimmick it's a sincere um hey we want to be praying for you we know it's been a tough year how can we pray for you we care about you. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's good. Um, that's really good. Uh, and, you know, Grant, one of our favorite questions in all this is, um, and one of our favorite questions, cause I think, I think right there, and, w- and you know, one of the things we're going to do is we're going to link all this stuff. Uh, the most effective evangelistic tool I've ever used is the three circles. I have the app on my stuff. We're going to link all that, the app and the website. With, it has training videos on how to use it. You can use it on a napkin. It's awesome. It's been, it's been the most effective tool I've used um, in evangelism. And we'll, we'll put some other really helpful resources and links in the show notes uh, so that we're not just, you're not just hearing stuff. You, you actually have it at your fingertips so that uh, you, can, you can be prepared and equipped with uh, the Batman tool belt of evangelism um, in every way you can. And so we want to make sure we do that. And Grant, um, I think that's a lot of really helpful stuff. And it's not easy. Like it's not, it's not, listen, we're, we're pastors, we're paid professional Christians. Um, and it's hard. It is hard. If you're not walking with the Lord, um, to go and share the gospel with somebody. And so, um, uh, I think that's all really, really helpful. And Grant, w- one of our last questions is this, is, uh, and we ask this of every one of our guests is, um, how are you delighting in Jesus? So how are you? How do you delight in the midst of all this? In the midst of 
COVID-19 and, and, um, all the stuff's going on politically and, you know, all, all this stuff. How in the world are you delighting in the Lord? How are you staying close to him? What are you doing or using to, to stir your affections all the more for the Lord? Yeah. Well, I think the bread and butter has always uh, been the spiritual disciplines of Bible reading and prayer. Yeah. Um, that goes without saying, I guess, but that really is for me, uh, what keeps the, the fire going in my heart. Hmm. You know, I heard somebody say, how, how long should you spend in, you know, your daily devotions? And I heard a pastor say once, well, as long as it takes for your heart to be warmed to God. Hmm. And I think that's a good word. And so I think that's, that's key. Now for me, um, keeping the prayer part of that fresh is has been is difficult sometimes for Mm, me Uh, but i think that prayer component really is um a key to keeping your delight in the lord going because uh, i'm kind of inclined toward academics and things like that and and i can almost treat my bible reading as as something that's just intellectual yeah but when you move it into to meditation and prayer that's when I think it starts getting down into your heart and not just your head. I agree. And so the prayer part of that is really key, but praying scripture has been uh, key for me to transition into prayer, but something just like really specific that I've been using lately. And this may sound weird, but um, the book of common prayer, uh, there's an app that you can download called um, daily office for your iPad or phone. And it just kind of takes the Book of Common Prayer, which is uh, origin originally was uh, from came out of the Anglican Church uh, through the English Reformation when they broke away from the Roman Catholic Church, and they put together a resource that would guide people every day in the morning and in the evening to pray. And so there are scriptures that you can meditate on and pray through. There are uh, different prayers of uh, you know intercession, repentance, and things like that. Yeah. And, uh, and so anyway, this particular app pulls together a lot of those things and has a daily kind of prayer schedule with a lot of those things included in it. And so I've been using that a lot, and it's really helpful. I use it kind of as a, just a jumping off place to kind of get, get the pump primed. Yeah, that's But awesome. that's been helpful for me. So might want, so that's might, called might Daily want to that Office? Out. Daily Office. Daily office. office is like the time of day when you're supposed to pray. Yeah, so. Not, not Michael Scott. Yeah. It, it sounds like a like daily office. <laughs> yeah. Thing. None of that. Uh, yeah. That would be, that does sound like an app that the office would come up with to give you daily Dwight Schrute quotes, <laughs> um, but actually gives you something far better. We'll actually link that in the show notes as well. Um, and uh, now Grant, real quick question. Is there anything that you do? Uh, I know for me, I love being outside. Um, I really do enjoy it. There's, I love hiking, um, but also man, Mowing the yard. I know those are weird things, but they're just things that allow me to get into a space outside of my time in the morning with my coffee and, and walk with the Lord. They're just, that's something that helps me just feel the Lord. I'd have no idea why it's mowing the lawn. You're subduing Man, the earth. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm Edenizing <laughs> the earth right there. And so, um, Grant, is there anything like that for you? Is it like fishing or, or shooting guns or hunting? Is there anything like that for you? I wouldn't say that there are mowing the yard, those kind of things that I feel closer to the Lord necessarily. Um, I think sometimes when going back to prayer, if I can get away to a different kind of space to pray, that's helpful. So even like when I'm at the office, you know, a lot of times um, uh, I'll 
in the, like on my lunch break after I ate lunch or something, I'll take a walk around our campus and we've got uh, some got a beautiful campus and uh, trees and little sidewalks and trails. And so I'll, I'll walk around that and, um, and pray as I'm walking. Hmm. And that's, that's been helpful for me yeah. uh, to, to kind of get me out of my normal. Cause sometimes I think what, what, what keeps me uh, from flourishing is getting into a rut, hmm. you know? And so getting out of my normal chair or whatever, yeah. I, wherever I usually am and changing things up a bit has been helpful helpful to me yeah um sometimes i i when i i ride my lawnmower and i'm praying i i drive it in the other direction i gotta find something else oh, yeah. i need to walk i need to i'm be not sure if it's god that you're coming close to <laughs> and so uh man grant that that's so good and all that stuff's so helpful and i i think man out of all of our podcasts this is going to be one of the most resourced filled yeah for podcast. sure and i like super just, practical one and just be honest that's just it's just refreshing to me about because it's so crazy in the midst of everything you go through in life. And as a pastor, you go, man, who am I sharing Jesus with? Like, I just, I think that's such a good reminder uh, for me. And, and just thinking of 2021 and, and having the question of who, who do I, who do I want to share the gospel with this year? Yeah, especially leaning more reformed. It's so easy for me to, ah, God's going to get him. But to know that the Lord wants to use you yeah, and the Lord sure. has, and, and, and the, the beauty of, God has called you to, to go and make disciples, to, to share the gospel. And that's your job. Like, that's your job, I, to be a lover of Jesus and to share the gospel. And, and sometimes we overcomplicate things. And so I think that was a really good reminder of what our purpose and our goal is. And, uh, and yeah. so, and uh, listen, if you guys want to follow uh, Grant, uh, he has, there's great testimonies. He sh- and they encourage me. It, it feels like every week you're sharing the gospel with somebody who just came into your church or you were at some place and, and sharing the gospel and seeing people come to know the Lord there in, in Murfreesboro. And so it, the Lord is evidently working there in an awesome way. And so, Grant, man, keep up the good work, and we're so grateful that you're on the podcast with us, man. Thanks for letting me be on. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yes, sir. We appreciate it. And, and if you don't know this about Grant, he rivals J.D. Greer with his Jordan shoe game. Yeah, and so, hey, he's got <laughs> – yeah – I'm telling you, a face-off between Grant and JD would be awesome. <laughs> um, and so, uh, but uh, listeners, we are so grateful for you, and we're so thankful for uh, your time spent listening to the Here's the Deal podcast. Uh, make sure that you are following all the links below. Uh, find resources to help you uh, learn how to evangelize, how to share the gospel, walk with Jesus, and and make much of His name while you're here on this earth. And that's our goal. And so feel free to uh, reach out, maybe DM us, whatever you need to get any resources that you may be looking for. We're so grateful for you guys. Make sure you're checking out all of our affiliates. That's Carl's Coffee. Um, That's the Dwell Bible app. We got a ton of stuff. Just check out the show notes. It's got everything for you. And be looking for more episodes coming from the Here's the Deal podcast. Boom, boom, boom. Roll Tide. All right, and there we go. Um, that was good. Roll Tide. Yeah. yeah.